lot to do. Pastor Moore's coming. Everybody say, Lord, bless him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. Isn't it great to be here on this Sunday morning? Thanks and glory to the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Let our classes go back. Don't forget, we're going to be doing a baptismal service about 1145. Amen. About 1145. So we'll go in the fellowship hall and going to be baptizing Sister Jaylee this morning. We're excited about that. Let me say we're so honored to have all of our guests with us. Come and help celebrate and be a part of this. Amen. For Jaylee. Let's put our hands together with thanksgiving for the guests that's in the house. God bless them. We appreciate them this morning. Amen. What a touch of the Lord and a touch of the Holy Ghost is in this house today to minister unto us and to move upon our behalf. And that's the reason and that's the purpose of it. Man, because why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. And God, when he takes up that habitation, that drives out all the other forces and powers of wickedness and evilness and doubt. And even help us, help us. Amen. If there's one that may be just, you know, struggling with a little doubt or with one thing or another, man, when his presence shows up, it helps lift you from that dilemma, that situation. Actually, it's so important that when we enter the house of God, we come in with thanksgiving, with praise, that he can take up habitation because that's what creates an atmosphere where two or three gather. Amen. In his name, he says, I'm in the midst. And if he's in the midst, I promise you, it changes the atmosphere. And it changes the outcome of that visitation or that gathering. But unless he's in the midst, but I'm glad he's here this morning. How about you? Amen. To walk up and down these aisles and to touch our lives and to move upon our behalf and to help us. Amen. With life and dealing with life and help us with help to help one another. Amen. To strengthen us. Praise God. To do that which is wholesome and upright and pleasing in the sight of God. Got a good lesson. We will not try to linger. Amen. We're going to try to. Amen. As much time as we've got allotted here this morning to go into our lesson this morning. And thank God, amen, for the word of God. Amen. If there's ever been a time that you and I need to study it and pray for insight and revelation of it, it's now. Amen. That it would be anchored into our spirits and into our hearts and our minds. Because we're living in a world that's full of all kinds of opinions and ideals and theories and passions and desires. And, but thank God for truth. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. It's still working. Upon our behalf. Anybody's glad he's still working on you. I know we sung that as children. But hey man he's still working on me. I, you know what I think he's going to have to work on me. Until I leave here. Hey man until I get that glorified body. But until then he's got to work on this old vessel here. Hey man I want to be willing to let him work. I want to open up my heart. My mind. And hey man even our lesson talks about a number of places. Having an ear to hear. Man what the spirit has to say. Have an ear to hear the voice of God, to know the voice, to have an understanding heart, to understand what's being spoken unto us. Not only maybe how to do things, but when to do things. There's seasons and times as, as vessels of God in the world that we're living in today with the attack that's coming from so many directions, even among the, if I could put it this way, the one God-believing people. Amen. A lot of people don't realize the struggle and the battle over Trinity. 
Amen. What's really been there, if you look back in the earlier years of the 1700s and 1800s and the early 1900s, but especially in the 1700s and 1800s, there was men and women that gave their lives just simply because they took a stand for one God and made a stand against Trinity. Amen. They torched them. They crucified them. They throwed them in dungeons. They throwed them in jails. They done from one extreme to the other. Amen. Trying to stop, amen, the doctrine of one God. Go back and read some history. Pull it up. You'll be, amen. Mr. Tim, one of them, different ones that played a big role, amen, in bringing this doctrine, the truth, back into us and to different ones. And so, thank God, amen, we have a revelation of this one God message. Amen. And I believe it's essential, amen, for salvation. Well, praise the Lord. I am a God. You are one God believers, right? Okay. I just figured I'd ask. Amen. I didn't have to have a response, but I just want to make sure, amen, if I'm not, then we're going to start Wednesday night teaching on one God. On one God. We're just going to go to that doctrine, amen, and be done with it for a while. But uh, thank God, amen, for this revelation. Brother Ford Dunn mentioned God is a spirit. That never changed. He's a spirit. Amen. But we're here to worship him in spirit and truth and give him praise and glory and honor in this house today. Got a good lesson. Solomon asked for wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom. And I know there is a lot that can be said about Solomon. And so there's no way we'll cover all those bases, but yet we will talk about his beginnings. I do find this astounding if you can watch even with Saul, not only and others, their beginnings started out great as they humbled and yield themselves and give themselves unto the voice of God and to the instruments of God that God had placed into their lives. You could tell when people begin to battle with pride and with arrogance, and I'm going to do it my way. They begin to ignore and set aside the spiritual voices in their lives. They begin to question the written word of God. They begin to question the traditions that have been handed down to them. They begin to question, amen, the spiritual leaders such as a five-fold ministry or parents or anyone that may hold that position, amen, that, that takes a part in their lives to instruct them and guide them and help them. When they begin to ignore and go beyond, amen, what they've been instructed by these individuals to fulfill their own desires and passions. That is a beginning, amen, of pride and arrogance. And, and no one's exempt from that, even after receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This has always been something, and I've tried to warm this church, amen, as we pray for miracles and wonders and signs and for God to do great things. And God to use us in the gifts of the Spirit and in these forms and manners. But there's always a balance to that. Amen. Because when God begins to do that, the tempter's going to come. Pride's going to come. Attack. And, and then even the elevation of humanity itself that exalts us and uh, tries to and builds us up and expects us to be and perform as a God. Amen. We see this. You can see this in the political world. You see this in the athletical world. And you see it in, even in your local assemblies. And so we have to watch that. Now we all want to be used. And we want to be in the will of God and hear the voice of God. Pray the prayers of faith. 
faith and, and obey the Holy Ghost. But at the same time, we got to keep that balance. We got to make sure that what we're doing, amen, it's for His purpose and for the glorifying of the head and edifying of the body. It's not a selfish thing. It's not a self-centered thing. It's not to, to please our own passions, our own desires, amen, and, and cravings, amen. None of the world can never accomplish that. The things of the world. You can gain the whole world, amen. But I'm telling you, you won't find the satisfaction that you'll find living for God and being a servant of God and knowing Him and walking in His will and purpose. So anyway, there's a lot to be said here. So Solomon asked for wisdom as we look at our focus verse this morning in 1 Kings 3 and 9. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people the purpose, the reason for this. And we'll, we'll talk about that to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Talking about God's people here. Solomon knew the Israelites, the Hebrews, that would have been called out to represent him to let the world know about this one God. And that's what he's talking about here. Then he talks about the truth about God's wisdom contains every blessing we need. Truth for the life is I will seek God's wisdom in every area of my life. I want to seek his wisdom. I want to seek out his direction, his heartbeat, his will. Amen. And uh, so that brings us right back to that uh, submitting ourselves or yielding ourselves or humbling ourselves. Uh, having that altar, that personal altar. We go to on a regular basis and regular as daily, and sometimes even two or three times during the day. <laughs> Amen. Bringing this old man and putting him on that altar and making sure that he doesn't have to have his way. Amen. Because the devil's looking for an opportunity. That's the reason Peter warned us to be vigilant, to be sober. How many of you believe that you're in the end time? I mean, you believe that uh, the wickedness and evilness and darkness is, is, is we're making our way back to Noah's day. And we're making it there pretty rapidly. Amen. And so this helps us to understand that they had become so, even in their imaginations, they never thought of God. And they've never took out time. Thank God you've took out time to come and be in church this morning. Amen. Uh, one of my granddaughters, amen, mentioned to me this week she's got into writing and, and now she's got her little thing. She wants to write her own stories and she wrote up a little story uh, about loving God and, and she'd she done a pretty decent job but down at the end of it she wrote that you don't have to go to church for God to love you and things of this nature. So when she, I got through and we read it, she wanted me to read it so I read it and we got through and but I, I, I told her, I said, but, but baby don't you remember what the Bible says about not forsaking to assemble yourselves together? you got to go to church. She said, really? She said, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, so praise God. I hope the next time she writes it, you got to go to church. <laughs> Amen. you got to assemble yourselves together. Amen. You can't do this. And, and I don't know where she got all that, but I'll tell you, it was a letter about that long. She done a pretty good job for an eight-year-old anyway. But, but uh, yeah, So anyway, maybe we planted a seed there that, hey, you got to assemble. you got to join together. None of us is an island. Amen. We need one another. And we need to be able, amen, to bless and help one another to, to finish this journey and accomplish. So, so when we talk about 
we pray for the wisdom of God in all the areas of our lives. It's not that we can impress people. It's not that we can astound them with our abilities and, and people can try to elevate us. No, no, and you're going to see this when we get John the 14th chapter and it's just over and over. It's all about God. It's all about representing Him. It's all about being a temple of the Holy Ghost and, and presenting these bodies unto Him, holy and acceptable and pleasing. Amen. And that goes a lot further, amen, than just the external things. It's also the internal things. It's every conversation. It's every dilemma and every situation we handle at home, at, at work, at school, or wherever it might be. We are vessels of God. We're temples of the Holy Ghost. We're representing the name of Jesus Christ. We're representing His kingdom. So I'm telling you, we're living in a world today that we need the wisdom of God to help us because you're going to encounter people and, and you're going to encounter some people that's very versed in the Bible, but they don't know the plan of salvation. They don't believe in the essentiality of a baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in that heavenly language. But it's still in the book. It's still in the book. And you know, that's what's got to flow out of us. That's what we got to let other people, you know what, they ought to be, and I don't take this wrong, but they ought to be. It's a certain amount of conviction gets a hold of people's lives when we step in. When they see the favor of God, the blessings of God, and the goodness of God is being poured out upon our lives. Why? Because through our obedience, through genuine love of God and the favor of God in our lives, you could take the poorest fellow in this world, but if he's walking with God, and if he's full of the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you what, there's going to be a joy in him, amen, that some of the rich people, they won't know anything about. There's going to be a contentment, amen, and a satisfaction in him. And why? Because, but you know what? We can have it the other way. We can possess these things, but yet still possess the most precious thing, and that's the Holy Ghost. And that's the voice of God in our lives, and the power of God to work in our hearts, amen, to work in our lives on a daily basis. Amen. Thank God that we can just take him home with us, that he doesn't just move upon us at occasions. Amen. Like he did with Samson and others. Hallelujah. And we don't have to just wait. Amen. We get to a certain place. And you're going to see some of this. Amen. We don't have to wait till we get to a certain place. Amen. Before we can get answers from God and direction. Now we got to assemble, but on the other hand, amen, we can be driving down the road, but because we're connected with God, God can give us instructions and can speak into our hearts. I could probably get many witnesses here this morning. Amen. Just seem like out of nowhere, a situation came up. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost just quickened you and the Holy Ghost moved upon you. And the Holy Ghost reminded you of a scripture. Amen. And maybe you've never quoted it, but all of a sudden, there it is. And so the hand of God, the voice of God, and the presence of God. I tell you, there's no God higher than our God. There's nobody can liberate us, deliver us. He fills all the galaxy, space, and time. Everything's lived and consists by Him. Who That's the one that we're representing. That's the reason we shouldn't have, you know, I'm going to say this. <laughs> We shouldn't have the big nerve problems and all these others. No, let's just, let's just, God's got it. Sometimes you just got to simply say, hey, God, you got this. Amen. And, and if you want me to go through it, I'm going to go through it. I mean, there's a reason. There's a purpose. All of this works hand in hand. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And James writing, amen, which he talks about asking for wisdom. How to respond. How to handle. How to instruct. How to accomplish the things that glorifies the Father. That lets others know that there is a kingdom. There is a power. There is a presence. I, I, I'm a firm believer. Now you, you make of this what you want to. Uh, but I'm a firm believer that the countenance that we walk in every day makes a lot of difference. 
you know, if we constantly, continually, and I know every day, I'm not trying to preach something and say something. It's no, there's going to be some days you're down. There's going to be some troubled times and things of this nature. Come on, Nehemiah before the king. We we know, okay, but that shouldn't be the norm. That shouldn't be, Amen. That shouldn't be our our badge, okay. You know, some people's got the badge. They're going to be late, and they're going to be late to their own funeral. Amen. You know, they got that badge. They they earned it. Well, praise God. And so that's true a lot of other things. You know, I've had people, well, anyway, I don't want to jump on all these rabbits, so I'm going to go from that. So as, as we look at some scriptures here, I want to go back to the first four verses of our, our lesson text because there's a lot said in these first four ver- verses of what, what lays the foundation, what brings us about. Uh, anybody heard about dreams? Anybody ever had a dream? You've heard people talk about dreams? Amen. Uh, how, how many, you know, uh, how many times you've heard people say that God gave them a dream, but, but that dream was, wouldn't, wouldn't line up with this. But you couldn't persuade them that it wasn't from God. But this counsels it. Okay, so it's a lot. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. Let's go. So when you go to 1 Kings, the third chapter, <clears throat> you're going to look here at the very beginning. Solomon made an affinity with Pharaoh's king of Egypt. That affinity actually means to join oneself to. Have likeness and passions and things of this nature which shouldn't have been. But already we're seeing some things. We're seeing some uh, activities that's going on that, uh, that's questionable. Now they tell us that this was the last Pharaoh, the 29th of what I understand, king of Egypt. And so this is the last one that's holding this position at this time. And so, But it took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. Until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the, and the wall of Jerusalem round about. So as you look at these things, you're going to see that some activities were going on. And so, number one, that wall. David had started that wall. Amen. But he had not finished it. But Solomon's going to finish this wall that goes around, amen, the city of Jerusalem. It talks about his house and the house of God. Amen. That he's working on. Some says that, that he did not bring her. Amen into his house at this time but yet he took it to his mother's place and, and until the time was finished and so there's a lot to be said about all of that allowing her to be involved in this infinity. In fact, affinity is only mentioned about three times in your Bible and all of those is in the Old Testament. All of them associate and ties in a man with marriage. Ezra talks about it, I believe it was, and then one of the king Jehoshaphat, a man, talks about it a man as Ahab wants to join with him to affiliate with him to go and battle Amen. And so it all ties in relation to that. And with that being said, we're going to see even with Solomon here at the end of this journey uh, of some things and activities that he allowed to be come into his life. And so uh, we're going to see that it's very important to ask God for wisdom. But amen, that that wisdom would help us and from the very from the very beginning unto the end. And the, the church, some of you would, would notice that in the last few months, and I wasn't real sure the first time I made this statement, it was just like a prop of the Holy Ghost that moved upon me. And I just said in a service, amen, and warned the elders of the church, amen, to take heed in their last days. This is some of your most vulnerable days. This is some days where the enemy is going to probably attack and, amen, try to rob and try to take your crown like never before. And so if you ever needed the wisdom of God, and the voice of God in your life because there seems to be a a a a 
rule of thumb that when you get older, you start having the right to say what you want to say and act like you want to act. And you can be rude and supposed to be overlooked. And not too many elders are shaking their head or nothing. You're not smiling. You, you just kind of, you know, well, but it's still the truth. You can say what you want to. I've heard it from the pulpit. Amen. And if we're not careful, that's a spirit and a voice that can start slipping in. It calls us, amen, to let the voice of wisdom when it says, eh, 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 no, you should. Oh, but I'm old enough now, and I'm seasoned enough, and I've got to. No, I'm going to tell you something. Brother Grant, don't never forget, it's probably 30 years ago, amen, or thereabout, that he made this statement in camp meeting. He says, a Holy Ghost vessel never has a right to be nasty. So God help us. And so, so again, we're talking about walking in wisdom and, and finishing the chorus. True wisdom, amen, is to finish the chorus to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We have all the wisdom in the world and press people to start with, but it's the finishing of it. It's kind of like building a house. We have all the wisdom in the world to get a right foundation, but if we don't know how to build walls and we don't know how to put a roof on, if we don't know how to do all these other things, then the product won't become a finished product. That's the reason you got to have different ones and different trades and people that joins in. That's the reason you got to have a five-fold ministry. Amen. you got to have it all working together, amen, to finish this race, become that finished product as a vessel of God. you got to have these voices, amen, that's a sanctioned, anointed and blessed by God, that's backed up with the word of God, and when you and I begin to question the voice of God, what you and I have got to do is go back to the word of God and if it's in the word of God, if it's written in the word of God regardless of how we feel and how just we may feel in doing it, it still, amen is wrong, so true wisdom must say, you know what, I'm going to listen to what the book says, and I'm going to obey what the word of God says, because I'm in some of my last days, and who knows if they're not in the last days, you can go in that graveyard right back there, and there's some, amen, from all different sizes and ages. Amen. All up just a few days, a few hours old, all the way up into their 90s. Hallelujah. So nobody really knows, but God knows. God always knows. And he knows how to send a voice. And he knows how to speak into our lives. And God hasn't changed his mind about doing in the world that we're in today. I know preachers have been attacked. Churches have been attacked. God's been attacked. And it don't have the effect upon the United States that it used to have. But I'm here to tell you, it's God still working. And God's still, amen, trying to get a bride and trying to get a church. And anybody that wants to be saved and anybody that wants to finish the journey right. Amen. If you got a hunger and a thirst inside of you to be to finish this journey, I tell you, God will make a way. So anyway, so as we look at this and watch what unfolds that takes place, he says, only the people sacrificed in high places. Tabernacle had not been built. Just in high places. And there's going to be a particular place that's going to be mentioned here that's not in Jerusalem. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built until the name of the Lord, until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord. There's no doubt about that. His beginnings, his start. Man, if you do any research on that, a lot of times they put in parentheses right past that. Amen. At the beginning, at the start. He loved God. Well, there's, there can be something said about that. Watch this. This is some of the problem... Of our doctrine today. I don't question the love that some have. But they don't have a love for the whole truth. The pagans. And we're going to talk about some of the pagan kings. God moved upon them. God gave them dreams. But also there was pagans that would humble themselves. And yield themselves and obey. And give God glory. But they would not remove the other gods. They wanted to worship 
both. They want to serve two masters. They wanted to walk not in the way, but in many ways. That same, same voice and doctrines is going out across your airways today. They'll tell us quick that there's more than one way to God. Well, it's the truth. But this book says there's only one. One door. One tabernacle. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. We're going to baptize Jaylee this morning in the, in the watery grave. Our prayers been that she comes up in newness of life. <laughs> But actually, it's one baptism. What do you mean? Two elements, water and spirit. Except a man be born again of the water and spirit. He cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. It's not an option. Jesus Christ himself taught us that. Peter taught us that. Paul taught us that. You couldn't get no greater trinity. If you want a trinity, there's your one. Listen to the trinity of those voices. Because they all three going to say the same thing. And they're going to tell you there's one God. <laughs> and there's one way to be baptized. And there's one door to eternal life. So anyway. So Solomon loved the Lord. We know that. We understand that. But walking in the statues of David his father. Only the sacrifice and burnt incense in high places. Only he sacrificed and burnt incenses in high places. Now again, not, not just everywhere, but just in the high places. And the king went to Gibeon. Gibeon, if you remember, it's mentioned several times, not several times, but a few times. One of the times you're going to remember is back with Joshua and them. Back in Joshua's time, they called taking the promised land. Amen. And they took Ahi, Jericho, and Ahi. The third city that was in line was Gibeon. These individuals, if you remember, they put on old clothes and took molded bread and all that and come and disguised themselves and persuaded them. This is in Gibeon. Gibeon became a place, amen, where sacrifice and high sacrifices were made. It's in Gibeon. Amen. This is where it took place and uh, transpired and happened. So here we see that king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. So for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings. Did Solomon offer upon that altar a thousand burnt amen offerings? Can you just imagine? He had to have a lot of help to, to bring a thousand different types of, 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 of sacrifice, amen, to bring to Gibeon to worship. So we, we, we get an understanding of Solomon. We get an understanding his love for God and his, his willingness to sacrifice and his willing to make those sacrifices. He didn't look for an easier way. Uh, did anybody pick up on the high part? Now, some say, you know, that uh, this Gibeon and this hill here was like 500 feet. It was one of the highest, if not the highest hill in that place. And so when you come to worship God, amen, a lot of people just want to slide in and make it light. Don't put too much pressure on me. Let me come like I want to come. Let me do what I want to do. Let me show up when I want to show up. And, man, I can just go on here. Amen. Just make this as easy as, easy as pie, you know. Just make it a drive-through, man. You know, tap me on my forehead and I drive through and let me go do my thing. <laughs> Hallelujah, you know. I mean, that's where it's at, you know, last church. But, but, when you get in the Old Testament, you really begin to look and you start talking about sacrificing. You start about talking about worshiping God. Amen. You've got to put some effort into it. You've got to put some purpose into it. You've got to have a desire and a passion, amen, that I'm going to get here and I'm going to get here early and I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to, I'm going to pull down the strongholds and I'm going to see the mighty power of God move. That's the reason why 
showed up here this morning. Amen. It's because somebody's praying. Somebody's reaching out. It didn't just happen all of a sudden. Amen. Because we just happened to walk in this place. No, somebody's been sending something up since, since Wednesday night, calling on God and the mercy of God and the power of God to be here when we got here this morning. Amen. To bless us and help us because God, we got to have your help. We can't do this by ourselves. We got to have the quickening of your spirit and the quickening of your anointing upon our minds and our hearts and our spirit. Because why? Because we're trying to make it to heaven and we don't want to be beguiled by the devil. We don't want to be deceived by sin or the spirits of the world. We don't want to be overcome by our own lusts and things. Hallelujah. And you can't be lazy. You can't be half-hearted. You can't be nonchalant. This attitude and spirit, the way people want to treat the house of God and God, I'll tell you, it's going to cost them. It's going to cost them dearly. So you and I, we can't do that. Realize here, when they went to make sacrifices, that thousand, amen, they had to take them up the hill. You got you to be willing to, to, to climb. How many of you caught what Brother Ford said a few weeks ago about that? A people talked about how horrible it is in the valley. But what did he say? The roughest time is we're climbing up the rough side. Because you can't climb up the smooth side. It's got to be a rough side because you've got to have something to get a hold of. And sometimes God's allow things that we can get a hold of so we can make our way up. We love it in the valley and we love it on the mountain. It's just the journey between the two. <laughs> Amen. To see what we are, what we're made of. So here again as we begin to look into some of this and uh, take note of some things that really begin to happen Man, there are seasons, seasons also. As you begin to look at this, it's, it's going to talk about seasons and uh, uh, where they're at. When you go to First uh, Chronicles 21 and 29, actually, let's go to 29 and 30. I'll get both of those verses. I think I gave them to you. But anyway, for the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offerings were at that season in the high place at Gibeon. Okay, and that season, this is where it's at. This is where sacrifices of Moses and make those sacrifices. Now, watch the next verse, 30th verse. Amen. Watch what is that verse says. 21 and 30, if you can get it. Uh, you're going to see there, amen. David could not go before it to inquire of God. For he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. David couldn't go there. Gibeon. To that altar. Because God had it protected. Well, that's a, that's a verse that would be do a little study on. Do a little research in. And, you know. You know what? Could it be that everybody's altar is not just the same? Or the season of your altars is not always the same. Bible says to weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. I've, I've heard ministers that say they're trying to minister to ministers. And they would make these comments. He said, yeah, it's tough. Amen. When you celebrate with this and when it just had a baby and you're all happy and all this. And, and an hour later, you got to do a funeral. You go from one extreme of emotions and things and dealing with people and, Thank God for God. <laughs> Thank God for the Holy Ghost and the call of God that equips, that anoints, that helps us. Amen. So 
Now we begin to see a little bit more about the, this, the foundation that's being laid, that's being set before we ever even get in the lesson. The lesson didn't start until the fifth verse. But, but uh, because we're living in a world and, and, and people are prone to dreams and put so much confidence in dreams and faith in dreams. Amen. So when you go to 1 Kings 3 and 5, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give thee. Now remember, this is where, what helped set this stage? What helped condition a man, Solomon, for this dream? He had just got through offering a thousand sacrifices. He just got through being in church. Just got through being in the presence of God. And, the, and, the, and, and we can all say what we want to. The things that you associate yourself with. The things that you ingest and, 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 and open your eyes and heart and soul unto. That's what helps govern your mind and your way of thinking and even your dreams. The writer, if you read your lesson, talks about all people dream at night. Doing what is known as the REM, which is rapid eye movement. Sleep, though some don't remember many of their dreams. How many of you remember dreams? How many of you dream a lot? I don't know if I dream or not, to be honest with you. I can remember one or two dreams in my whole life that I really remember. Man, do it anyway. The best studies indicate that dreams originate in the brainstem, but the prefrontal cortex or that part of the brain associated with higher levels of reasoning. Hmm. Think about it now. It's not active when we sleep. So the, the, the creation of us to help us to make good reasoning sounds and decisions is not in operation when we are asleep. So that's a reason we're warned about Paying too much attention to our dreams. In fact, the only ones we should ever give much attention to is those that we know that came from God. Because outside of that, we didn't have the soundness of our minds to make sure we can make a good sense out of the dream. That's the reason we can dream some dreams sometimes is so far-fetched. So far out, you Writer talks about flying in a recliner, going off and seeing this old beast. And so now it's not so much the pizza. It's not so much the hamburger. It's not so much this or that. But to really make sense out of dreams, amen, the very thing that makes any reason out of it, it's not even in operation. Unless God's in it. Unless God's in it. But you're going to notice about this dream of Solomon. It's as though it was actually taking place. Because the very topic is about asking God for wisdom. And how Solomon asked him. And Solomon asked him why he was asleep. So the next time you're sleeping during prayer time, maybe it ain't so bad. Don't say we ain't been there. I've been there. So the next time I'm going to tell the Lord I was just looking for one of them Solomon dreams. Because <laughs> he probably straightened me out pretty quick. No, you're just, you just, you just lazy or sorry or wore out. 
That wore out some of it too. Come on, folks. We don't have a glorified body. I'd much rather take a nap and come back and give him 15 minutes of good prayer time than to wrestle with it, you know, for 30 minutes and don't accomplish nothing. Amen. All right. So anyway, so as we begin to go through this, Gibeon God appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And here again, through dreams, dreams. We know that God works through dreams. We know we can look at Jacob and go to Genesis 28, 12, and 13. It talks about the time of Jacob, man. He was Esau, and it was one of the most critical times in his life. He was having to run for his life. He had his brother that wanted to kill him. He had a dad who was fixing to die. He had a mother, amen, that loved him dearly, that helped beguile, helped beguile the brother and his dad. Amen. You know the whole story. And so he's leaving there. But guess what? God shows up and gives him a dream. The dream, amen, of what? Of God, the ladder that's ascending between heaven and earth. And yet God and the angels, multitude of angels going up and down, amen, that ladder. And accomplish and achieving things. So, what prepared him that was going to take place 20 years from there, amen, 20 years later, amen, this dream. But watch this now. Remember, after this dream, he knew it was from God because watch what Jacob said. Jacob said, Hey, this Jehovah God, if you can do just a few things for me, no one to provide for me, give me food and clothes, amen, and bring my family back together. Unite my family. Go back and read it. Amen. There's no doubt this is the Jehovah God that's going to do this. So he knew that was a God-sent dream. Amen. That unfolded and took place there. And then 20 years later, whenever he, again, what happens? What visit him? It's the only way he's going to see Esau. What happens? Amen. He's got what? He's going to wrestle with what? An angel. He doesn't let the first one get by. Multitudes got by him in the dream and in the first you know, go around of it. Surely the Lord's in this place and I knew it not. This place is called Bethel. It's the house of God. That's where all this comes from. It starts from a dream. It starts from an episode that's happened in Jacob. Jacob is known as Israel. And so when you move from that and you go to the 20 years later, amen. Now this time he gets a hold of that angel. He don't let him go until you bless me. Amen. Because this is where my blessings are going to be at. In this struggle and wrestling with prayer and supplication and interceding. And so this, this is what God does sometimes with dreams. He prepares us. He, he gives us insight and opportunity to ask things. And so even here, Jacob, amen. And even though it took a while to get the supplanter spirit out of him and being deceived and you know how the father-in-law and all that story, how it went. Amen. So God will work through dreams. Not only will he work for it with his own people, but but you can watch at times. You may use others to protect us. You can go to the time in Numbers 12, 6 and 8. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord would make myself known unto him in a vision. And would speak unto him in dreams. If a prophet among you. Hey, this is how he works. This is how he's still, Even in the New Testament, through visions or dreams. But watch this. With Moses, he didn't do that. He talked to him, amen, mouth to mouth. He didn't give him dark sayings. There was no if and ands. Moses knew him. But he told them in that same setting, amen, what he would do, amen, as their God. And helping them with prophets and dreams. You can go to the time of Moses. I'm just proving the point here that God gives us dreams. But that doesn't mean all dreams are from God. In fact, most of them are probably not. Amen. It's kind of like, and I've been talking about it here lately. Uh, you know, a lot of people beg God told me this and God told me that and and you know just one thing after another and I'm gonna tell you something God's not confused God's not telling all these folks and you can believe what you want to believe and and go with it like you want to but I'm telling you God did tell all God is not confused he doesn't give 900 different ways to do these things I'm telling you you know that God told me to do this and God told me to do that and they're not they don't lined up folks you don't have to worry about all of that you don't have to be worried about it you don't have to fear it in fact even if it's a man that called himself a man of God if he doesn't back up with this book then he don't have the back and all the authority to do it and I don't care how many dreams he has our visions 
Don't make any difference. There's the one that qualifies them. You can, you can believe this. If God gives you a dream, it's going to happen. What, what happened with Joseph? God gave him dreams. He told it to him. Now, it caused him some trouble. But it happened. It took a lot of years. Now, watch this. Now, did, did God give Joseph in those dreams everything was going to happen? He just showed him the good parts, didn't he? He never showed him a dungeon. He never showed his brothers ripping his coat off and throwing him in that cistern. He never showed him pulling him up out of there and selling him to the Ishmaelites. He just only Could it be that the reason Joseph was able to survive all of that with a good attitude and a good spirit, he held on to the dream. One of your leaders, agree or disagree with him, a man, if because of one speech, what was the call? Tell the dream. Tell them. Tell them the dream you had. Martin Luther, come from a dream and packed and whatever. <laughs> so, as we watch this, we understand that. You can go to even Joseph, go to New Testament. What about Joseph? Joseph and Mary, here. How did, how did, how did, because Joseph's going to do away with her. But God gave him a dream and spoke to him. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Critical things in your life, if you'll, get, if, you'll, if you'll seek God, God can give you a dream. He can give you instructions out of it. But can I help you out? You better make sure you come to the house of God. You better make sure you're making the sacrifices. You better be sure you're obeying the spiritual voices that he's already put in your life. Because if you're not doing those things, the chances are not good that he's going to give you a dream. But what will happen? You may have a dream. But it be of your own doings. Because, because the lack of love and the lack of obedience to the voice of God, to the instructions of God, also would counsel out the power and his ability to give you that dream. If you're not careful, that dream will match up with what you want to do that's already contrary to the Word of God. Okay? The writer of the lesson talks about dreams, and, and he, he goes to Acts. It talks about Joel, the prophecy of Joel. Amen. If you look at it, Acts 2, 14 through 17, Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as he supposed, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. So, unless you're an old man, don't come and tell me about the dream. <laughs> All right, so now. 
I'm just going on. Amen. But dreams. So these, so we know without a waiver of doubt dreams and how God's envisions and how God's going to work and operate through us. Thank God for it. Amen. That he'll work and operate through these dreams and ways to touching our lives, touching our hearts and moving on our behind. Now watch this. Did God only move upon? No. What about Abimelech with Abraham when he took Abraham and Sarah? And God gave him a dream and told him, said, hey, you took another man's wife. If you touch her, I'm going to kill you. He didn't quite say it quite like that, but he was pretty close. <laughs> he got his message across. <laughs> and Himalek didn't have no problem getting up the next morning and setting everything in order and telling everybody else, don't you touch her. I don't care how fair she is, how beautiful she is, don't you touch her. Don't even look at her, man. Put your hand up. Whatever you got to do. I'm adding some more there, but I'm just, I mean, that was the, that was the whole, no, hey, God spoke to me. Now watch this. That was a pagan that believed in many gods. But here, a man, he knew by a dream that there is a Jehovah God. There's a God of all flesh. And so again, we're getting right back to that area where people that won't sell out to God. Completely and totally. This is where they get mixed up. And, and maybe some hoping they're going to slip in. But no, you've got to have a true love for this. And the wholeness of it. And the fullness of it. We can go to Laman. Amen. This is Jacob's father-in-law. Where God again used Laman and used a dream. And talked to Laman through a dream that night. To not watch whatever he come running after him. Not to harm him. Not to get a hold of him. So dreams are very effective. God's used them throughout the scriptures. And they're very powerful. And they're very, very effective. So it brings us actually to John the 14th chapter. Amen. Where we're talking about asking and believing God. And, and whenever we get to that point or place. Amen. Amen. If, regardless if it's a dream or if it's just a, uh, a prayer request. And he jumps all the way to John the 14th chapter with whatever we ask. But I want to focus on that a little bit because sometimes I feel like that we come expecting God to answer our prayers when the prayers are not what God was expecting us. And, and so here's the problem with that. Then the devil will step in and say, I thought he's going to answer your prayers. I thought he's going to give me the desires of your heart. I thought he was going to do this or do that. I thought by now, surely you'd been healed by now. I thought but surely by now you'd been delivered from this. I thought for sure, surely by now you'd have found this and have found that one or whatever. I've covered a lot more here than what you think I'm covering. If you just really listen to me, I'm telling you. So I want to back up a few verses in that John, the 14th chapter. And we're going to start, amen, about the fifth verse. What leads up to, amen, the 14th verse, amen, where he uses, amen, the 13th and 14th verse. But I want us to make our way there because it's important, amen, uh, uh, the prayer that's being made, the request that's being made, and the reason, the purpose behind that prayer of who it's going to glorify and the fulfillment of that. Because we're living in a world today that's so self-centered, our nation Yes, and, and I'm not against any of this. I'm for, I, believe in, I believe in healings. I believe in deliverance. I, I want us to live as painless as we can and least amount of struggles and things of that nature. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we're creating a dream and a fantasy, amen, that we ought to be able to live for God and live in this world without any struggles and without any heartaches and without any, any battles or things of this nature. And then also it leads into an area where God, you ought to answer every one of my prayers and just, I ought to be liberated and delivered and I ought not have these struggles and heartaches and why is it this and that and things of that nature. So let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. See what led up, amen, to these two verses that he wants to bring to our attention this morning. So it starts out with Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not. And at the beginning of that, you know, the Lord said, Jesus Christ himself, like he said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place. And if I'm going to prepare a place, I'm coming back to get you. 
Okay? And then it leads from that. Thomas, amen, he's questioned the way. And he says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So again, here we are. We're driving that in. There's only one Savior. There's only one name. And, and you know, if they ridicule us for that, if they want to beat us up for that. And I'm telling you, if you do a study on history, amen, I'm telling you the Catholic Church and others actually killed and murdered. And, and, and people that made a stand for the Jesus only gateway and doorway, the, the, the oneness of God. Okay, it was there. I'm looking for that to make a full circle. I'm looking for that to make its way back around. Amen. As they try their best to join in and hook up and get people to bond together and unite together. Amen. That it really don't take this and it really don't take that. But we can't change the word of God. And, and so it goes from that. If he had known me, he should have known my father also. From henceforth he know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father that might suffice or satisfy us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou, thou not know me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou, show us the Father? So, you know, he, he's, he's, he's driving this home. He's, he's getting them to understand, man, I am the Father. This is the only Father you're going to see because God, amen, is a spirit. Blessed, believest thou not that I am the Father, the Father's in me? The words that I speak unto you, I stop, don't speak of myself, but this, the Father, but the Father that dwelleth in me, but do he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father's in me, or else believe me for the very work sakes. Notice that. Notice what's being set up. <clears throat> you and I is the church. You and I is the bride. You and I is Holy Ghost filled temple. The whole purpose of our lives is to glorify who? Is to accomplish and fulfill what purpose? What trumps everything? Above all of our dreams and, and desires and passions. As, as born again because we died. We're dead. Our visions are dreams and things, they're gone. As an individual. But now that we come into newness of life and represent a new kingdom, become a spiritual epistle, amen, of being born again, our passions, our hungers, desires, amen, becomes one thing, and that's to please God and walk in His kingdom and His calling and His election. And so this is what we got to pray for. This is what the wisdom. And I, I mentioned it already because Saul is one of the greatest examples. Not Saul, but Saul is. But Solomon is one of the greatest examples in your Bible as being the most wisest man upon the earth. But at the end of the journey, the way I read the, the, the ending of his life, I don't see how he made it. Because he allowed all the, the 700 wise and 300 concubines, amen, building temples unto their gods. They, they, they converted his heart they changed his heart amen to build temples unto other gods and other ways so the wisdom did not finish the job amen we need wisdom God to help us have wisdom but have God's wisdom but make sure we use it and take have an ear to it until the end of the journey not just the beginning I know we put a lot of effort and energy into putting into our little children and now we started amen sending them off amen they're only four years old amen we send them off to school they can't even hardly wear they're not even allowed to ride the bus don't even let them ride the bus. You got to carry them. 
Amen. Why? Because we know the importance of an education and the ability to read and write and, and grasp and learn all of this. And, and I want ours. And I pray over our, our, our children every day. I pray, God, you put a will in them. You put a desire in them. You put a passion in them. They want to learn. Amen. And make the best of it. But they never created like it's going to become a God. And we, you and I should never put in it. Amen. And it's a money deal. Don't say that to them. It's not about money. It's about serving God. It's about being a better vessel for God. That's more important than money. You can have all the money in the world and be lost. Amen. And not help the kingdom of God at all. In fact, amen, you can work against the kingdom of God. This is what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ and pleasing the Father and glorifying the Father and glorifying the Father in the Son. Watch what he says about this. So this is what's leading up to that. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father's in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's what the prayer is about. The answer to the prayer is about glorifying the Father. That's the reason when James talks about it, praying and asking, you have not asked, but you have asked, but it's of lust. That lust, amen, is about glorifying self, pleasing yourself, pacifying yourself. Amen. You know, leave me of the pain, leave me of this trouble, leave me of the whatever it might be. Come on, I'm not trying to hurt us this morning. I'm just simply trying to tell us some things God wants us to endure. Some things God's not going to deliver us from it. For our soul's sake, God's not going to deliver us from it. But we got to bear it just like Paul had to bear that messenger, amen, from Satan. Amen. But my grace is sufficient. Amen. Some areas of some place, and you know what you and I need to do? Hallelujah. We need to make sure that we don't let the devil sit on our shoulders and say, I thought he loved you. He's not answering your prayer. Oh, yes, he is. Hallelujah. God's answering my prayer. God's never failed to answer my prayers. God's always answered him one way or the other. Because, you know what? A good daddy don't always say yes. A good mama doesn't always say yes. Because of wisdom they got, they say no more often than they say yes. I guarantee you these little fellows are going to learn no before they know yes. <laughs> or are they going to learn this? Ah, ah. <laughs> Let's start putting the dots together. <laughs> so I have the Father the same way. Because of these are earthen vessels. It's still an earthen vessel, folks. We're walking in a world. We're walking at a time and there's so much is pulling for us now. So that's bidding for us. And, and we've been warned. We've been warned by Jesus Christ, the type of soils. And, and so we got to deal with it. <laughs> and so this is the wisdom. And this is how we want to ask. Amen. God, you give me the wisdom to be the vessel you want me to be. And that I can handle it. <laughs> Some people claim to be a know-it-all, but they can't handle it. Allows arrogance and high-mindedness and rudeness. And it also it also work on your patience. Well, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. So you're working. We'll just say working with a little fella. Now you know how it's supposed to go. You know all the steps and you know how to do it, and you can do it in five minutes. But for that little fella to learn, you got to do what? They may take them 30 minutes because they're going to redo it three or four times. You see, God's all wisdom. He knows it all. 
He knows how to get it all done. But you and I don't. And thank God for his patience and his long-suffering and his compassion. Especially in trying times and difficult situations. This is what Solomon's after. He knew that as a king, you know, everybody's getting along and everybody's, all the herdsmen and everybody's doing great and everybody's working in unity and everybody's blessed. He wasn't worried about them. It was those that's going to come in that had been done wrong. Done wicked. Wasn't being treated right. Why do you think we got so many levels of courts? Ah, oh, none of that goes on in George County. Go over and sit in them courtrooms. You'd be shocked how full they are. And you'd be shocked at some of the things <laughs> that comes in them courts. Things that really mature adults should have sobbed at home. Shouldn't even been a phone call. But it's the same way when he comes into the church. It would sh- shock some of us sometimes what the offenses can be over. But God give us wisdom. How to handle. How to respond. Sometimes give us the wisdom to not even respond. Just smile and go on. Let it be like waters off a duck's back. Just don't even pay it no attention. He taught us that in places. Some, quest- some questions. He said, don't give them the time. Because all that's going to do is lead right into something else. So I, I got to hurry. I know i got about 15 minutes here. So as we watch it, he says, So whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You shall ask anything in my name. I will do it. So anything we ask in his name to glorify. Now remember, Jesus just taught us, These are not my words. Uh, my works, they're his. We can't, can't take claim to the works. They come from God. He's the one that anoints us. He's the one that responds to our prayers, our needs. Amen. So now let's look at Solomon. First Kings goes back to third, the third lesson text, the seventh verse. Now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. Boy, if we could just, if we could just keep that in the right perspectives. Regardless of how much God blesses us, how much he anoints us, how often he uses us, how many times he gives us wisdom. If we could just always make sure, God, I'm still just a little child. That was your hand. That was your anointing. The anointing of God can get you in trouble. Anointing of God can quicken you, inspire you with some good answers and some great answers and some great revelations. And then all of a sudden, everybody comes to you and expects you to have it all for everything. Now, if God sees fit, that's fine. But I promise you, there's not a minister on this earth that's got it all. Bishop Older would tell you the same thing. He said, I've been preaching for 60 plus years. He said, I still don't have all the answers. Okay. I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, thy great people, thy numbers, them, the multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to do what? To judge thy people. To know the difference between good and evil. 
between what's right and what is wrong. So what about wisdom? Solomon's writings. Many believe that he was up in his years. Not sure, but Proverbs, especially Ecclesiastes. Probably an old man now. He writes these, writes it. He talks about it, Proverbs 4 and 3. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. How often have we heard a likeness to this in the last several months? About precepts, commandments, loving thy commandments, keeping thy commandments. Come on, it's over and over and over and over and over. There's a reason for that. There's a purpose for that. Having a genuine love for the things of God, the commandments of God, the word of God. Having a real love for it at, at whatever cost. God, I'm going to do it your way. Whatever sacrifices, whatever pleasures that I've got to lay down. Whatever fun times that I've got to set to aside. God, I'm going to do it. That's what it's going to take to attain and to be who and what you want me to be. I'm going to do it. He says, let thy heart retain thy words. Keep thy commandments. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. She shall preserve thee. Love her. She shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Everything it is within you, it's, it's a principle. It's the foundation. It's, it's more a man. In fact, um, uh, time won't allow me, but you, can, you go to 1 Kings and it talks about it. You don't have to go there. 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, talks about the man that, how that, that Bathsheba came, the queen that came, that was very, uh, you know, you're going to see world leaders that begin to make their way to Solomon and how God began to bless him and, and use him. And as they would come, and she talks about him, said, hey, that what she had been told about him, but it wasn't nothing year once she got there and how that she, he was able. Now, I want you to notice something. There's some key things. And all those verses, and I won't take the time to read it, time won't let me. But but there's some key things and every bit of that. And, and you'll see it. The Lord's name. For the Lord's name's sake. For the Lord's name. For the Lord's name. It wasn't about Solomon, but in all that wisdom and knowledge, he was still at this point in time giving the credit and the glory to the Lord, to the Lord, to the name of the Lord, to the Jehovah God, to this one true God that Israel was supposed to represent. And see, that's us. That's us. That's us. Amen. We represent Jesus Christ. We represent the love of God. We walk into a different heartbeat and a different kingdom. We don't, we don't respond to the world like the world responds to it. We don't handle the situations like the world handles it. No, we got God and we got a wisdom. We got an insight. We got a help, amen, to help us, amen, to handle this and respond to this and deal with these situations. That's the reason we don't, we don't just blow off and we don't do this and we don't, you know, we don't do all that stuff. Get crazy out there. Y'all don't even want to shake your head at me this morning. I know. I understand. But I'm telling you, this, this is a wisdom. This is being able to have this fellowship and relationship. You know what it stems from? It's the fear of God. Because the beginning of wisdom is what? Let me ask you something. Do you think our nation fears God as it did 50 years ago? 
Now, let me ask us another question. Does the church fear God as it did 50 years ago? And that's our problem. That's the church. Just like when he asked them, who do men say that I am? Didn't matter who they claimed who he was. But who do you say that I am? That's where the power's at. So the church reverences him. And yields and humbles. And fears him. Because when we fear him that way, we, we will be careful how we conduct ourselves. Not just at the house of God. But in every situation. Why? Because we know he's looking. Not, not necessarily to, to beat us up. Or, no, we want to please him. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking having a love for him. I want to, I want to do it because I want to please him. Not because I fear in a way that he's going to take a big bat out and bash my head. No, he's merciful, long-suffering, kind, and gentle. Thank God he is. But because he has been, I want to please him. Because he has been so merciful, so kind, and so gentle. Because you know what? I could, I could be one of those this morning that didn't even have my right mind. I could have been one of those that strung out don't even know where I'm at and who I am. I, you and I don't have some kind of glorified flesh that keeps all of that. We got a God that can put a hedge around us. Come on, folks. I, I'm preaching to us. We got a God that can put a hedge around. We got a God that promised He wouldn't put more on us than what we. We got a God, Amen, that that help us regardless of what comes go. That we can find, and we preached it Sunday night. We can find some sufficiency in Him. We can find some strength in Him. The strength of Israel becomes our strength. That regardless of the valleys and the mountains we come, the situations we deal with, we got a God that'll help us. So we don't turn to those elements, and we don't turn to those actions and deeds. Our spirits. No, we just make our way back to the house of God. We start calling and crying out to him because this is true wisdom. We know where our help comes from. We know where our help comes from. We know who's going to see us through this. So, the 10th verse begins to pick up. To just back up what I've been trying to say here. 1 Kings 3 and 10. And you probably say, well, he's taking that, but I'm not. The speech pleased the Lord. What Solomon, any sleep, in a dream, his speech pleased the Lord. How he responded, how he, he requested that Solomon had, had asked this thing. God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for what? Thyself long life. Riches for thyself, nor the life of thy enemies has more. Think about that one. There's no revenge in my heart toward anyone. I'm telling you, this thing goes a lot deeper if you just really get to pondering it. You get to thinking about it. God, I wouldn't ask you to do that. I'm not going to ask you. But he asked a man for an understanding discerned and judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. I've given thee a wise and an understanding heart. And the writer he talks about, it. there's not going to be another like Solomon. Not, not an earthly man. None. God granted his request. 
I've been told that in Proverbs, there's all the Proverbs that can ever be written. That there's individuals that's tried to rewrite some and come up with some, but said, all said and done, you can find them in Proverbs. They're there. Proverbs. So how does this all display? How does this all finally unfold? Immediately following this, if you watch all this, and this happens, he goes to Jerusalem. He goes from Gibeah to Jerusalem. He goes into the temple. He sets up on the throne. All of this follows immediately afterwards. And then here comes in two women. Two that had lived together. Who had gave birth to two boys within three days of one another. One, and you know the story, they, they was, their lifestyles weren't right. But anyway, as they come in, and so one's telling the other that we both had them. They're three days apart. And, and in the night, mine, uh, the other one's, amen, she had rolled over on it and smothered it. And, but she'd come in at midnight and took mine out and slipped hers in. When I woke up in the morning time to, to feed the, the, the child, and when it got daylight, enough that I observed and tell it wasn't my child. And so the other one said, oh, no, there ain't no way, no. And so the bicker back and forth. And, and you could just imagine just everybody's observing and watching as it's going on. And here Solomon is. And all of a sudden, amen, as he even rehearses it back to him to a certain degree. And he, he asks us for a sword. And, 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 you know, the military that was there and all probably, you know, maybe even at that point now I didn't have a clue what he was fixing to ask them to do and, and beckon them to do. But they brought a sword out. And he says, I tell you what, you take that living child. Let's be like an, asking Sister Londa right now. Let's take that baby and just divide him in half. Give half to, to one mother and half to the other. But immediately, that real mother, without hesitation, begins to cry out. The Bible talks about from her inward parts. Amen. Say, no, no, no. Give it. Give it. He knew that, hey, she'd rather have that baby living and live in the arms of that other mother from that baby to be divided. Come on, think about all of that. Put all the dots together here. It's about revenge. It's about selfishness. It's about my own desires, my own rights, my own passion. All of that. Amen. It all unfolded right there. Huh. And from that point... And from that hour and from that day, all of Israel knew that God had moved upon Solomon to give him the ability to judge between them. And as that word went out, they wouldn't hesitate about bringing their, their dilemmas, their situations to this man called Solomon. Because they knew that he was anointed of God, blessed of God. The lesson finally winds up, and I know my time's up, so let me say this. But the lesson finished up. It talked about Solomon at the end, and I done mentioned it. But you know what? It's making sure that you and I got an ear to hear that voice of wisdom until the end of the journey, not just the beginning. Not just to get what we want. Now watch this. Watch. God blesses people with talents, skills, and abilities. And also with even anointings. And even when they backslide, God doesn't necessarily take them back. But they can use them for their own glory and their own purpose. Fulfilling their own desires. You'd be shocked at the individuals that's great, making great money, doing great things out there, but out in the world. But actually they got that gifting and calling 
from the house of God. But they have chose to use it. Hey, the devil can't give you no. You don't read in your Bible that the devil gives you good gifts. You don't read in the Bible. Amen. Now, you can let demonic forces and powers move in you. But as far as gifts and talents and ability, it comes from God. It comes from God. And it was given to us for his glory, for fulfilling of his kingdom. And so now we have to pray for the wisdom to use it for his glory. And not just at the beginning of it. And we get set up and get positioned. No. Until the very end. Until this thing is said and done. We pray for that wisdom. Every step along the way. How many of you thought, well, when you got your babies, you know, a certain age, man, it's going to get easier. But when you got there, <laughs> man. And then when they got older than that and they got out and they done this and, oh, we're going to be delivered, delivered now. We don't have to. Then you get grandbabies. And then those grandbabies start having babies. And it just doesn't end, does it? Doesn't end. So it's important that we hold on to that wisdom. Even in those last days. That we make good, sound, godly decisions. Because the, the real benefits of that wisdom is to finish the race as well as we started. Jesus Christ himself told us, it's not he that starts it, but he that finishes it. And this is the wisdom we're going to need in this day and time where education and at a punch of a button you can be exposed to any and everything across this world. From demonical forces, lying prophets, to even truth. You can Google it. And you can expose yourself to whatever. But if our hearts and minds and spirits are not right, and if we don't have the right wisdom, we're going to be deceived. In fact, the Bible says that the time's not shortened, that the very elect will be deceived. Wisdom. Wisdom. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. It's kind of a little whatever. Amen. Still the truth. Still the truth. But we're excited about what we're fixing to do. Jaylee came to her mother a few weeks ago and requested to be baptized. They got with me. I said, sure, by all means. This is something we've been looking forward to. We had Micah that done it. And, and they'll just not get with the group. But as God moves and quickens their heart and spirit. Because she told her mother immediately after asking her about it. She said, because then I can get the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want them to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want them to fall in love with it. I want them, amen, uh, to, to just let it be a part of their lives, some cure on out, amen, to guide them, lead them, direct them, amen. There's nothing greater than the Holy Ghost to do that. So let's go back, amen, man, and get to baptize her in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. God bless you.